In this episode of Testimony, a Musician's Story, presented by Soundseekers, I talk to singer Reagan Capese. She shares her Christian testimony and how she grew up independent Baptist, which she considers a cult. She talks about the transition from that life to the life she now knows as a Christian. She talks about how YouTube saved her family and her passion for kids aging out of the foster system. Additionally, in the four-song breakdown, she breaks down Play This, Closed, Milk, and Rent Five. I am Gaelica Brown, and this is Sound Seekers Presents Testimony, a Musician's Story. Start with, let's talk about your first music memory, whether it be the first song you ever heard or music video, like what's the first memory that comes to mind? My favorite first music memory or just like in general? In those general. are two very different. <laughs> okay. I'm curious about both, actually, now that you okay. said that. So let's okay. do both. We can start with um, in general. General, okay. So first ever, I um, probably just when I was really young, and I did a little concert with my church with psalm songs that like our director had created and we went and like recorded mm -hmm. in a studio when i was like super young so that's like the first rem memory i remember of just yeah. being like music is so fun and this is really cool um but my like favorite music memory where i like truly fell in love with music was when i took a vocal jazz class in high school and that's when i really really fell in love with music um kind of understanding the history of it and, and all that it has to bring and offer. Okay. All right. <laughs> and um, can I get you to pronounce your last name? Yes, it's Capace. Capace. Reagan Capace. I think like pay. <laughs> That's a good way to remember it. Yeah, it's it's hard. I know people they butcher it all the time, but it's fun. I don't okay. care. <laughs> and where were you born and raised? I was actually born in Hot Springs, Arkansas. That place does exist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really small. Uh, the, I, I moved around a lot, but that's where I was born originally in the South. So good times. And where would you say you were mainly, was there one place that you stayed at the longest? So I moved to Arkansas, I was in North Carolina for a little bit, moved to Memphis, Tennessee, really loved Memphis. Um, but then I moved to Las Vegas and I would say like, this is my home really. This is kind of where I say like, we've been here the longest I think too, but this is where I say is my home. Okay. So Vegas, that's where you're at now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nope. And did you grow up in a two parent household? Yes, I did. Two amazing parents. Uh, was there a reason why you guys were moving so often and frequently? Yeah, so I am a PK, pastor's kid, been since birth. Okay. Um, it's That's kind of like why we traveled a lot. Uh, the main reason we traveled a lot is because of the environment that we were in was like toxic. Okay. So just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can go into it further if you want. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I'm curious as to what you're referring to. But yeah, if you can go further. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so we grew up in, it's called independent fundamentalism. If you're familiar with that. I am not. 
Yeah, it's pretty much a cult is kind of how I describe it. Because okay. if you look up, like, the definition of a cult, okay. like, it's that. Um, but it was just, it is what it is. Very strict, law-based, our um, desires and passions and main subject was not Christ. It was man. Um, very sexist environment, very racist environment just very much what we were against and not really what we were for. Um, and we, like my church was my school, my school was my church. We were not allowed to be involved in anything outside of our community that wasn't in the bubble. Like we even, my dad got hate from like being too far, living too far away from the church. Um, very strict dress code, like couldn't wear anything but skirts, pantyhose, turtlenecks. Thought if I wore pants, I was going to hell. So when I got my first pair of pants, I thought I was like such a bad kid. <laughs> um, but a lot, yeah, there's, it was rough. A lot of corruption in the church too, which is, it's sad. I know it happens everywhere, but a lot, a lot of corruption that um, this church kind of brought. So like if something did happen, basically it would just be like swept under the mat, swept under the rug. And then they would just get like rehired at another church, like in another state. And this was like a constant thing that was just like keep happening where um, really young teen girls that were just like bad things were happening. Um, but my dad, we, he was a pastor at this church in Arkansas and we moved to North Carolina for a little bit. It was still in the same pool. And then we, we moved to Memphis to try to like get out of it. But we were basically like one foot in, one foot out is kind of how I would describe it. Okay. And really with this is like, you can't, it's either you're out or you're in, there's no like in between or you're still basically in it. Yeah. And so, um, and this is like the really short condensed version, but we moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, my sophomore year of high school. And, you know, my parents cried because they had to take me to public school because we couldn't afford private school. They thought they were like throwing me into hell and they'd like, cause all my other sisters, they have two older siblings went to private school and they knew where they were going. And, and they, my parents been taught this their whole life that this is right, you know? Yeah. And uh, we didn't have social media back then, really. We didn't have YouTube or anything like that. And I feel like YouTube genuinely saved my family <laughs> because that's when my dad kind of started listening to other pastors okay. and kind of hearing like what the gospel truly is and that we're interpreting it poorly and, and very awful. Um, and, and so we moved to Las Vegas, we planted a church here in a casino actually okay. which was fire and it was awesome um but with music <laughs> and all of that like i wasn't allowed to listen to it that's why i was saying like my music memory uh, like okay. i wasn't allowed to listen to anything that had drums a beat like that's the devil's heartbeat is what they call it wow okay <laughs> it's it's kind of humorous when you just think about it like singing just like hymn type songs all hymns Got all it. hymns Got it. Um, no modern worship songs, like maybe Christ alone, but that was really pushing it mm. kind of stuff. So yeah. So like, even when I did the song, the Psalm songs, like they're all strictly from the Bible scripture, nothing else. And I, I didn't really love to sing in the church I grew up in because anytime I would sing, we would get complaints. Like I was trying to be showy mm. or I was trying to have like a concert and I'm like 12. <laughs> And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm just singing. Like, this I don't understand. I'm like, sorry, I have soul for yeah. the gospel. Like, my bad. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's that's why when you said that, I was like, ah, Got I it. have music memories. 
but I wouldn't say they were the greatest. But I, they were I still understand. A memory. Okay, <laughs> I got the context now. Wow. <laughs> um. Okay. So, and you said your parents grew up in the independent fundamentalism. Okay. Yes. Yeah, they met in college at a college called Hiles Anderson, um, which is under the IFB movement. And that's kind of like what they grew up in as well. Well, my dad was Catholic, but that's kind of where they like yeah. came to church and stuff. So that's like really all they knew as well. So. Yeah. So, okay. Now I'm curious. I have a lot of questions now. <laughs> <But> one, <laughs> when you guys went to Memphis and you're like one foot in, one foot out, like how does that look like to be one foot in a cult and one foot into, right. I guess, the real world? <laughs> So when we moved from Arkansas, we definitely we definitely were like kind of not a part of it anymore in the sense like they were not ever going to talk to us like family, friends were just basically rejected us. Mm-hmm. And since this is all we know, like moving to Memphis was huge. So this church, I would say it's basically like under the Southern Baptist kind of culture, church culture, but worse like like really bad not that something about this culture is bad it's just little still like law based yeah um so we were under the ifb movement like we didn't have the name but everything pretty much flowed the same okay if that makes sense yeah like my dad was in charge of stuff so he was able to like maneuver his way to like Mm -hmm. kind of share the gospel in a better way but that caused people to leave the church because they also were like this isn't what we know and so it was just it was gray areas, if that Got it. And so then you get to Vegas, and that's when your dad, like YouTube, like shout out to YouTube, whoever like said YouTube saved my life. <laughs> like, um, but then he was able to see like other pastors and be like, oh, wait a minute, there's something wait. else out there. This doesn't sound quite white, like things are clicking. So that's happening with your dad, but how is that transition for you as a kid who was born into this, raised by it, and now all of a sudden it's not a part of your life anymore? Right. It was definitely uh, still confusing sometimes. I, yeah. I would say it still kind of pops up just with like trauma, like little things that pop up and I'm like, I can't, you know, um, process that very well. My sisters are older than me, so I think they had it way worse. Yeah. Um, I definitely had it I went to public school my in middle school so I feel like I was kind of exposed to the outside world a little bit better um but even going into church still like I had to I had a lot of you know walls up and so I think that was like the biggest thing that impacted me was trusting people ever again Mm -hmm. um thankfully I still wanted to pursue Jesus because my parents showed a love that was unlike any other Mm -hmm. um and they really showed me, like, showed me who Jesus was. But the transition was definitely the hardest. Because when I, when I moved to Las Vegas, I went to a performing arts high school. Okay. So I was around a lot of a lot of stuff that I had never yeah. been around before. Creative Just like, and as we would quote, right, which I love so much now. Yes. Um, but I was taught was sinful and evil. Yeah, and that, everybody's going to hell there. <laughs> oh absolutely like I was in hell literally um and I'm like wow like you guys are so nice like hell is nice this is crazy um I think that was definitely the hardest transition because I was taught this in my brain so much like when my sister got her first pair of pants 
bawled my eyes out. I was like, we're going to hell. Like oh, when that's all you know, yeah. it's it's just all you know. And it, it's it's funny, but it's also really sad. Like yeah. as a kid, when you're just very confused. Thankfully, I had, I had two amazing parents. Like again, like I said, but genuinely, I think that's what kind of they brought me and and walked alongside of me. So if I ever had questions, like, hey, we said this, like we weren't allowed to go to the movie theaters. Why are we allowed to go to them now? Yeah. Hey, I'm allowed to watch a movie that's not that's PG. Why am I allowed to watch that? You know, little yeah. things that don't seem like a big thing were huge to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with music. So, and then when I had friends that went to church here that cussed, I was like, I'm confused. Like <laughs> everything was so confusing. Yeah. The line, it like, the gray areas were were all over the place. And and yeah. <laughs> it was interesting for sure. No, that makes sense. Um, okay. And so, I mean, it's almost kind of like you're relearning, or did you feel like you were relearning like Christ? Because now it's in a different context, or right. he's in a different context. Right. I I get this question a lot, and I think it's an important question. And I've had to, I think I still constantly ask it myself. Like, mm-hmm. did I truly know Jesus if I believed this? You know, because that's not who Jesus is or was, and that's not at all what he has told us he is. And I want to say I knew the basics of God's love, right? But I I think I'm learning more of who Jesus truly was since, you know, high school. Uh, just even little things like mixed marriages. Like, that was a sin. Like, yeah. big sin. You know, and you cannot... And not, not in an evil way. I don't think my parents put it in an evil way. Like, that's just literally what they were taught. And it's awful. But thankfully, we, you know, know that's not evil now. But but even just with racism, like, and everything that's going on in our country, that's been going on in our country. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I thought that way when I was younger. Like, okay. I can say that. Like, that is what I was taught. Yeah. Like, you know, we separate ourselves because da-da-da-da-da. It's easier for our children if we had children. You know, like our kids would be confused. Like I was taught all of those things. And so when I kind of find out who Jesus truly is, I'm like, did I really know Christ if I thought that way? Exactly. Um, So, but the good news is I do know him now. (laughs) (laughs) And I do know he's a loving God and um, a unifying God. And it has been a beautiful journey because I think I was more in a relationship with man, quote unquote, and what Mm -hmm. they taught more than Jesus Christ and what he, and who he is. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, it's awesome that you had the wherewithal to even think about, did I really know him? Um, mm-hmm. And the fact like there's maturity and the fact that you can even say, yeah, I did think this way because I was taught oh, that yeah. way. Um, yeah. And I'm sure this is going to be an ongoing journey just like it is with all of us, like we're constantly sure. going to be learning um, who Christ is. Um, but that's right. definitely a different perspective. Um, yeah, I think it's just when you're taught one thing for so long, mm-hmm. it's it's sad. And yeah. I, I feel like I have a weird place in my heart for people that have been taught one thing, mm-hmm. especially when they were younger, because that's when your brain is like developing. Yeah, definitely. and you know, you trust everything your parents say because they're your parents. Um, and it is even cool to see my parents' journey through just like seeing that like going to the movies with evil and now they're just like small yeah. stupid things but even in big topics like not being so close-minded and actually saying 
hey, this is the gospel. I know I've been taught this way my whole life, but there's more because the word. So, yeah. Exactly. I could go on. I could go on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and it's not really that you have like a weird spot in your heart for it. Like, I think that it's awesome that you could, you have a spot in your heart for people like that because it's necessary. Everybody, a lot of people have been taught (laughs) the wrong things. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's cool. Yeah, I'm just thankful somebody walked alongside me and was like, let me show you what is right and what is true and not being mad at me for thinking another way. You know, yeah. so I think that's the coolest part. That's awesome. And was that something that that's something that happened when you moved to Vegas? Um, it was when I went to college actually Okay. in Arizona. Okay. Yeah, I had a mentor of mine named Adam Thompson, and he kind of, like, showed me the ropes, a lot of stuff, and he was great. Basically, he just walked me through a lot of important details. So so let's talk about that. So you're referring to Adam Thompson, who was the owner of Collision Records. Oh, yes. The legendary. You know him. (laughs) To me, legendary. I forget everybody knows him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, we live as kings. He had Alex Faith and Swoop and Chris and Gray and Dre Murray yes. and the newer cats like Corey, Corey Paul and Keyshawn, like on the label. Um, definitely familiar with his work, but um, was not aware that he was a mentor of yours. How did that, how did you even hook up with him while in college? Yeah, so him and his wife were just like a big influence in my life. Still, they definitely still are. I was really sad when they moved away from Arizona. Um, I was in Arizona for school, I had a friend that I did outreach, community outreach with, and he heard one of my jazz standards on SoundCloud. That's like the only thing I had up. Okay. And he was like, yo, like run this. I was like, nah. And then he's like, let me, let me uh, introduce you to my boy, Adam. And I was like, okay, I meet this man. I'm so intimidated. I'm like, this guy is way cooler than I'll ever be. <laughs> um, So he was kind of, I would say genuinely like, his wife was like one of my biggest mentors and him. Um, but just walking me through a lot of things. He did a lot of classes in Arizona too. Um, just talking about the racial divide and the at, at your university? church. Um, he did one at our university, but okay. he just would do them around Arizona. Oh, like, okay. This man's does everything, everything. Okay. And he does it excellently. Um, so yeah, just the conversations that we got to have um, and him develop. I, I would say like it was a big turning point and just kind of how I saw Jesus and how I saw people um, yeah. challenged me a lot in that as well. And with music. So like he gave me a lot of, like he's the one I, I put in a like mixtape on SoundCloud of Kanye's 808 and Heart, Heartbreak or whatever. And I did like a jazz rendition of it. Like he's oh. the one that got me connected to that. Cause I had never, I didn't know anything about any music oh, like at on, all. Kanye who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't understand. I'm just kidding. Oh, um, but he's like, yeah, you need to run this. <laughs> yeah, he put me on. He put me on for sure. Um, okay, okay. So, and what were some of the topics that you said he would he would give around town? He just, he mainly was talking about just like um, the white evangelical church and just <laughs> race, basically. Um, and just challenging us, kind of just informing us in a way that I had never seen the world mm-hmm. with someone that is white female. And I've never seen the world that way. And um, you know, and he just give, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, basically what you were saying is just, it's interesting how you come from the, the environment of the quote unquote, like cult world 
and then you get hooked up with someone like Adam, right. <laughs> who, <It's crazy. laughs> and he can it, definitely, I mean, the polar opposite in terms of like him being like pro-black, um, right. in terms of like what you were taught to then be hooked up with someone like him is Right. God is God is and Jesus and funny. It's his work. He's he's hilarious. <laughs> his work. <laughs> he really is. No, but it, it it was awesome. Like I he's amazing and his challenges of just and the way that he would approach and express things, I was like, that makes sense. Like I understand. Yeah. And he just does it in such a way of love, which is who Jesus is, I think. <laughs> awesome. Okay. And so you um, were mentored by him and his wife and met him when you were in college. And do you mind if I ask how old you are now? I'm 22. Okay. So yeah, just graduated. Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Graduate during COVID. I didn't get a log, but it's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. I feel like I got the best end of it. Other people have had way worst stories with COVID, so can't come. So back. were you in Arizona when COVID happened and you had to come back home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Came back home because I lost my job and all the music industry shut down. That was like basically where my other income was coming from. So came back home, but I love Vegas as well. Okay. And then you just had to do everything online for school. And did yeah. they give you like some sort of virtual ceremony or something? No, they were going to do one in December, but I think they, they canceled it. So they might do one in 2021, but I just, I'm kind of over it at this point. Yeah. I'm like, it's okay. I graduated. Like, it's fine. Well, I didn't even like want to walk at mine. So I just, that's what I've heard. People were like, you you didn't miss anything. Yeah, I didn't. I did not attend. So if COVID happened, I, there's no way I would even consider attending. Right. (laughs) True. So how would you say God's presence looks like in your life personally? Beautiful question. Right now, I would say peace would be the word to kind of define it. Um, In everything that's going on, uh, it's his presence around me is just peace. Mm -hmm. When there's confusion, with, you know, who's going to be elected, with what's going to happen with when this person gets elected, you know, there's no fear of me because I have peace. Mm-hmm. And I trust in a God who know knows what's going to happen, already knew what was going to happen and what will happen. And then even with COVID, peace. You know, a lot of great things are happening with music. And I was like, let's freaking go. Like, finally, mm-hmm. you know, my hard work's paying off. Entertainment industry shut down. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Peace, you know, Jesus in my the presence is peace, um, and you can't receive peace really from anything or anyone. You can receive peace that's like for five minutes, you know, yeah. maybe a day from somebody or something or a happy moment, but it's just not lasting. So when you get to receive that that underlying peace, when literally your world is shaking and you don't know what to do, like I would say that's the biggest way that God's presence is is surrounding me. I mean, that's an amazing presence to have, especially during this time, <laughs> to have peace. Yeah. Like, uh, <clears throat> that's probably a prayer for a lot of people to have that. So It is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Well, we're going to 
switch, do something a little bit funner for a moment and go to a trending um, trending topic. So it's what's currently trending on Twitter right now. Okie dokie. So we have um, Beyonce in Ivy Park. Have you been following the release of her fashion line with Adidas? I have not. I'm the worst. Yeah. <laughs> well. But I should so- be. It's, it's all good. I didn't even know that it dropped until somebody told me. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Because apparently, oh, like, it's every, sold out. everything. Yeah, it sold out super quickly. I don't know, within, like, an hour or two. Dang, as it should, though. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, like, the last time, I don't know if you're familiar, the first time it dropped, she sends, um, she sends packages to her friends. And it's like, you get a huge rack of clothes. So it's it's a rack of clothes and then it has like a backdrop at home for a photo shoot. Right. And so it's basically a box and then people and like Carrie Washington, Kalani, 21 Savage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they make these, the videos of them receiving them and trying on the clothes and then they have the backdrop and it's like the perfect marketing tool, right? right? Super dope. Um, and then additionally, like she'll do handwritten personalized notes to the people that she's sending it to, which to me is just nuts. So, but my question to you is, um, you're pretty creative with your post on social media when it comes to like you marketing a song. So what do you think about Beyonce and like her whole marketing strategy whenever she drops these and sends the boxes to her friends? Right, I think she always, she's a queen, so she always does everything better than everybody else. <laughs> I'm like, dang, I should have done that. No, I think that's really smart. It's all about social media nowadays and getting people to post about it. So her, like, dropping that off at someone's house, whatever, it's the surprise, it's the excitement, like, ooh, I kind of want to get a box, like, all that stuff. And then people are going to post about it. Like, I love my fresh fit, nice backdrop, and then it's aesthetically pleasing on the social, like, that's incredibly smart marketing and then even just like having a a message like personalized that's ideal because anytime I send a message on Instagram like check out my song ain't nobody gonna check it out if I say like hey whoever your name is hope your family's doing well how your kids like whatever it's it's way more meaningful and they'll take time to like actually like check out your music check out your brand check out your clothing line whatever that Mm -hmm. might be um that's genius I just need more money (laughs) <laughs> I know, right? I mean, that's just think about how expensive it is to like ship to like FedEx, dude. <laughs> right? Box of rack of clothes. I'm like, you could fit like five yeah. people in there. Yeah, <laughs> and she's probably like overnighting it. it too. I'm sure she's not doing like the free regular post. Oh no, 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 no. She's like fragile. It's gonna be in its own shipping yes. plane. Like, <laughs> no, that's genius. I love that. I'm really, I'm about to go look that up after this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's pretty dope. Very dope. Um, all right, so let's go forward. We'll talk about music. And how did you even get your start into music? How do you go from singing psalms, songs about <laughs> psalms, <laughs> to what you're doing now? <laughs> how? How is the real question? Now, I so I took a vocal jazz class in high school. That's kind of when I was exposed to music that I really, really loved. Because I, when I took the class, I was like, I want to be a pop star. Like, I don't like jazz. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't want to do anything that's pop. I only want to do jazz. So I dropped out jazz standard on SoundCloud. 
that was the first song I'd ever recorded. Um, it was Misty by Ella Fitzgerald. And I really, Adam is like the person that like got me rolling genuinely. Mm-hmm. So met him. He was like, you need to run this. So I just dropped stuff on SoundCloud. He introduced me to a lot of different producers um, that he knew in Phoenix. And I got, I got good relationships relationships with them but we never like super clicked which is totally okay um and then i met i did a song with an artist his name's bodie he's in arizona and this guy named mofo music was on it he was like the producer and basically like wrote the whole uh track mm-hmm. and he reached out to me and was like hey you trying to work and i was like yes <laughs> i've been trying to work so i've never met him he uh, like lives in it lives in detroit um we've done everything over text and email and i record everything on a blue snowball mic usb to my computer and we just get work done and i like just facetimed him recently like in a year like ish like a couple like six months ago mm-hmm. like right first saw his face because i was like you could be catfishing me which <laughs> doesn't really matter but i just like want to know what you look like so um, how long ago was that then when you first started I was working? like I would say a little bit over a year ago. Okay. Yeah. Because we dropped a song, our first song together, like a little bit over a year ago. Yeah. Well, that's like the beauty about technology that you can work with people across the country and have never met. Um, I had, when I first started the podcast, like the first five years, I was working with an engineer out of Nashville, um, but he was more than an engineer. He's my partner as well. Like, um, But we never even met in person. Never That's met still to this day. <laughs> and how That's started wild. this podcast in 2013. But yeah. So. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, my COVID didn't really when it came to like doing stuff with music. I'm like, oh, I do everything online anyway. Exactly. So are you still on the blue snowball or have you I am. Okay. <laughs> I'm really loyal. I'm Italian. So like <laughs> I'm, I'm loyal to my mic. I'm like, it's got me here, you know. I have other friends at like studios. I've recorded in them sometimes, but nothing that I've ever dropped. I've yeah. always recorded from my loose snowball. All right. The worst. Whatever works. <laughs> and so, okay. So then when you, so basically you went from jazz standards to working on what solely with, what was his name? Mofo Music. Mofo Music. Moflow, sorry. Moflow. Mm-hmm, yeah. But how do you go from jazz standards to what you do now? <laughs> right, right. I, I did miss that. <laughs> I didn't want to drop anything unless it was jazz. I was like really annoying about that. And then I realized no one really listens to jazz. So yeah. then I cried. <laughs> and then I got over it. And then I wrote milk. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I basically, I kind of like to say that vocally everything comes inspiration from jazz yeah so my backing track whether that's really pop pop r&b whatever that might look like i would still say i had jazz influence and jazz tones with my with my vocals and so and a lot of like my melodic runs or whatever you want to say comes from standards Mm -hmm. jazz standards and so and i really do genuinely love like the genre and kind of in like the pop R&B world, like modern, not, not really r I hate saying R&B because everyone just puts R&B to everything, but yeah. <laughs> I would say a little bit of my tracking, like with, with uh, the bass and stuff, it, it goes with R&B world. 
but that's kind of, I just transitioned mainly because I'm like, people are never gonna listen to jazz. So I'll just have jazz tones and I'll confuse them. Hopefully they'll like this and then I'm gonna try to bring them into the jazz world, hopefully later. <laughs> Got it. So basically, was it because you grew up like in a cult that you didn't realize people aren't listening to jazz music anymore? You thought Ella Fitzgerald yeah. was still like popping like that. <laughs> True. Loki though. I'm like, well, I took a class about it and I'm like, if there's a class about it, that means everyone's <laughs> listening to it, right? Right. I, I didn't know what was good and what was yeah. like hot, like at all. Like literally at all. Um and some people are like, Oh yeah, I love people always say they love jazz, but nobody listens to it. Yeah. So I'm like, you guys are all liars. I'm confused. My brain is so confused. What's good? <laughs> so were you into that? What Ryan Phillippe, um, not Ryan Phillippe, Ryan Gosling. Was it mm-hmm. Hollywood Land? La La Land. La La Land. There we go. <laughs> Hollywood Land. I'm dead. Did, did, were you um, filming that movie because of the jazz? <laughs> loved it. I thought it was, I think they did such an excellent job of making people that don't like jazz understand jazz in a small way, like an yeah. introductory way. Yeah, yeah. Like they did a great job. I thought it was awesome. Okay. I loved it. And production wise, you mainly work with MoFlo? I do, but I have worked with other producers as well. Like I've branched out and stuff. We're he works with a lot of artists as well. So we're not just like Yeah. But we are a team. We just we still work with other people. Cause I'm just curious about how you choose your beats and how I mean, because all of your beats are it's a great selection. So how do you go from select, you know, your whole jazz background to selecting dope beats? <laughs> right. True. Um, it's, it's, you know, the whole, like, I hate being in a box. How artists always say that. I really feel big on that when it comes to selecting beats or selecting a song to create. I'm like, if I listen to something and I like it, I do not care what the genre is genuinely. Like that's just how I am because I could create a beautiful song with that. But if it wasn't like in the genre of this, then how would I have ever known if I created that song? So it really just all comes down to if I vibe with this, if I like it, and I think it would it would flow well with my voice. It really doesn't matter genuinely for me, I would say. And then I've even tried more during COVID, like when I'm like trying to force myself to write because there's mm-hmm. nothing else to do, um, has been kind of expanding into different genres that I would not necessarily like writing to. Mm-hmm. And then so many cool things have come from that as well. So, and, and again, like with the pop, pop sells is what people say, right? Yeah. So again, like my goal is to be in this pop genre. Um, and then once people love my voice, hopefully, <laughs> or enjoy it, I can introduce a different kind of sound in the jazz world yeah. so that they still hear that voice and the voice is the home, but everything else around it is kind of like a vacation or like a, like going somewhere else and kind of experiencing something else. Okay, I'm trying to low key slide in that jazz on us. <laughs> We're gonna do it one day. Okay, um, how would you, cause you said you don't, you know, like artists don't wanna be put in a box, but your music, if I was just listening to it and I knew absolutely nothing about you, I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, she's a Christian artist. Right. Is that, purposefully um like how would you label quote unquote yourself yes that is definitely on purpose Mm -hmm. so 
I am very, I think it comes a lot from my background and even being a Christian in this world today, when you say Christian, immediately people stop listening to you. Yeah. Um, if they're, can you hear me? Yeah. You're frozen. Okay, okay. sorry. I like you froze. So yeah, sure. you froze for a second, but I could hear We're you. Back. We're back. Okay, cool. You're moving. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so even when you say you're a Christian today, people just automatically don't listen to you if they're not like in that world, especially yeah. like in the West Coast, at least from my experience. Um, and so I think, I don't even really like saying like Christian music because I think that is a that is music made mm -hmm. by a Christian. Yeah. Um, that's kind of just like, just like word, word usage. It's not like terrible. It's just kind of how I like to present it. And then with my music, I think it is quote unquote Christian music because I am a Christian and God gave me this talent and gave mm -hmm. me this ability to spread. And so, and my music is, it's not hate. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's love. I mean, they're, yeah. they're happy, sad songs, whatever, but it's my story and it's people, other people's stories and other people's perspectives, which is like, that's Jesus gave me this life and this story to tell. And I have one song that I put out that is Christian um, on my EP called home. And, but I like basically for interviews like this um, mm -hmm. is where it comes out basically. Yeah. And so people, originally won't not listen to me because I'm Christian, but they'll listen to me because they like the sound. And then when they get to know that person better, have a relationship with me as an mm -hmm. artist, they'll see like, oh, interesting. Like, I would like to hear more about that instead of at the beginning, oh, you're a Christian? Okay, I'm good. You yeah. Know, at least, especially when I went to LV, my LVA, my performing arts high school, like, it was very much when I told people I was a Christian immediately, it was like, eh. <laughs> yeah but then I mean, when I told him something about me yeah that that definitely happens it I would imagine it might be a bit more prevalent in Vegas yeah, um, than, than in <laughs> some other cities so sure sure um Def definitely not the south what was that not the south everybody goes to church in the south <laughs> yeah even if they just go <laughs> they're not exactly. really Christian there, but they go <laughs> Yeah, that's what we do on Sunday. <laughs> um, okay, so you're in Vegas. Are you connected to any other artists there in Vegas in the yes. Christian world? Oh, in the Christian world? No. Yeah. Mm -mm, I'm not. And, what, and when, you were very small. when you were in Arizona, were you? I would say Adam was pretty much my, my biggest connect uh, in the Christian artist world. Yeah. Okay. And then what about your decision to be featured on songs that are explicit? Well, I don't know if there's plural, but like, um, Will Clay's on the loose dope song and it's a positive song, but it is explicit. So what about your, how do you decide to be featured on stuff like that? Yeah. Um, originally he kind of told me the goal of the song and I'm all on board for it. Um, and, and then once I heard it, um, uh, obviously like have to consider like there are explicit language in this, um, to me, it, it's so weird hearing me say this now because originally I was like, if you say hell, like you're going to hell. Yeah. Um, but sometimes in the hurt and in the pain and when you're trying to tell your story, those words are necessary for telling your perspective and telling your story and telling your hurt. Um, it doesn't. I don't think it's wrong. I think it's 
honest and I think it's genuine and I think it's vulnerable. And sometimes without saying that word, the message may not get across as much as you want the pain to come across um, or whatever that person's feeling. So for me, I, I was like, this is this man's story and I back it, I'm, I'm fully like supporting it. And I had another song that I say like a curse word in it um, on my EP. Mm-hmm. And it's not technically explicit because it's just the S S H I T. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss in here, so it's that. <laughs> and um, but like when I was talking with like my parents, because like, my parents are like huge in my decision making, right? Yeah. So when I'm talking about this, I'm like the I am explaining why I'm putting this word into this song. Well, that whole EP is about foster care, and it's all of kids in the system and their perspective. Because mm-hmm. I work a lot with kids in the foster care system, so that song is specifically about kids that have aged out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am speaking strictly on what a kid told me when I was talking with them in their house and or in the group home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't want to say it because I haven't done anything like this before, but I'm like, this isn't my words. Like these are their words and I'm telling it on a platform that they don't have. And so for me, I do think that is, is necessary sometimes. Um, but at, there's always a conversation and it's meaningful. It's not just like, Oh, let's just add that that's cool. Let's pop in. Like that's, people are going to resonate with it. Like that's not, sorry, that's not the, the goal. The goal is that there's a true like meaning and story Mm -hmm. behind it that needs to be told. Right on, right on. Okay. Um, so then the artists that you work with the much for the most part, then they're not quote unquote Christian artists. They're just other artists making music um, Bodhi is a Christian. He's a worship pastor in California. Um, the guy I've done a song with. And Sam, I haven't done a song with Sam Bodhi yet. Soon. Um, yeah, I think that's the only other artist I've put stuff on with. Will. I don't know about Will, but he's a great dude. But yeah. Mm-hmm, cool. Well, let's move forward and we'll go to the four song breakdown. And this is the part where the artist either um, recites or sings a verse. It discusses what's going on between the lines of the song story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the songs that I selected for you are Play This, Closed, Milk, and Rent Five. So okay. if we can start with Play This. Cool. So I, am I singing or am I just saying the words? <laughs> if you can sing, that would be dope because you have okay, a great. dope voice. Um, but it's, it's really not me singing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this whole time, <laughs> this, somebody this else. This is where we find out, right? Millie, right. I don't know if you're old enough Ooh. to know Millie Vanilli. <laughs> the whole. No. And even if I was, I wouldn't know who they are. <laughs> That's right, because <laughs> you're, yeah. Yeah, Even people are like you don't know this song, you don't know this artist. I'm like, cool, don't forget, don't forget. Um, well, I don't even remember the song, but there was a really popular song like in the 80s, like it won Grammys, mm-hmm. and it turned okay. out. And there was a group was called Millie Vanilli, it was these two guys, black dudes, and they had like braids, but like singles, like what women wear. Right. Um, right. and it turns out it wasn't their voice the entire time, not them. It was like, your, I think it was your like, life of the lie, yeah. <laughs> So it was this huge scandal. I think it was like the late 80s or 90s. I don't know. I was a That's kid. crazy. So, but that um, so that would that would be an exclusive. It ain't Reagan's voice. 
Exclusive breaking news. Um, cool, yeah, I'll start with play this. So do you want me to uh, go verse, explain, and then hook, explain? Um, you can just do the verse, yeah, and do the verse, explain, and then hook, explain, perfect. Okay, all right, so this is, this is me. <laughs> Here's what we're not gonna do. Forget about the love between me and you. We've had way too many good times. It is, you know, we're one of a kind. So, verse one. Um, basically, like this song was, I originally wrote it from the perspective of, um, I'd, I'd, I'd had talks about people who are older mm -hmm. and were having some like, issues and just like fighting and not remembering like where the love came from mm -hmm. um, where it started and it's hard like when you're with somebody for so long like it happens yeah and so like the first line is like the main thing that I wanted people to hear is like here's what we're not gonna do like we're not gonna do that you know so I'm kind of talking being that partner I mean this could be for someone that's older this could be for someone that's younger it could be a friendship it could be dating yeah but, like here's what we're not gonna do we're not gonna forget about the love that me and you ha that we have mm -hmm. and it's not gonna go anywhere unless we give up um, and then kind of like talking about like we had good times and we're special. Like this relationship is special, is special. So okay, that's the first one. Okay. I also think I started way too low, so I'm going to go higher. <laughs> <laughs> do what you got to do. Okay. So the hook is, won't someone play outside? The one we dance to all night long. Yes. Someone play outside. Yeah, they, they, the one we dance to on the line. I think music is so important because, like, when you listen to a song and yes. you're like, dang, I'm sad. Yeah. I'm sad. Like, you listen yeah. to that, you're like, that brought me back to 2008 <laughs> when I was dating this person, whatever yes. it might be. Um, and same with happiness, same with joy. And when you play that music, that's what's like, what's our song? You know, everybody has their own song. Yeah. Or a song that reminds them of a moment. And so it's like really important to like, hey, put that music on and we're going to stay in this room until the song is over or we're going to keep playing it until we remember where the love started. That's Am awesome. I doing this right? No. Yeah, you are. No, no, no. I, I like that. Um, definitely. Because if I'm in a mood and I want to stay in that mood. Like some, like if I just want to be hella emo for some reason, then I'll put right. on some emo music and stay there. <laughs> but, and if I'm emo and I need to get out of it, then I'll play the music that's going to get me out of it. So, right. That's, I, I like the concept to play this. Okay. Um, and I love your voice. And now it, like the whole knowing the jazz background, it like all like kind of clicks and makes sense to me now. <laughs> Yay. That's awesome. So if we can do closed next. Cool. I'm like looking at my lyrics. It's all good. Do <laughs> what you gotta do. I wrote it and I still don't know it. It's hilarious. No, you're not the only one. <laughs> good, that makes me feel better. <laughs> one time I performed it and I was like, I don't know the verse too. That's crazy. <laughs> I was like, what happened here? <laughs> um, okay. So I just pick a verse that I want to do. Yeah. Okay. I'll do the first. Okay. I don't wanna call back no more. 
heard of some things I was good with that. I was good with that. I don't wanna think about your last words to me through a screen. Can barely say that out loud. Thank you for the time to show me what I don't like. Hey, yeah, yeah. I heard you were doing great. Tell me what the clubs are like. Hey, yeah, yeah. So you deleted out the memories, but that don't erase what you did to me. I'll be fine, but don't act like you mine. So that's kind of the verse two pre-chorus, whatever. Okay. Um. So this song is about a person. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, okay, this is rule of thumb, and I think artists should follow this okay. genuinely. But this is what I do. Anytime I ever am in a breakup or go through a relationship, I don't ever post songs unless I am over that person. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Okay. So if it's like a sad song, a happy song, whatever it might be, but it's about an ex or it's about an ex friend or whatever it might look like, don't put music out that you're waiting for their response. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to yeah. fall back into that hole. Um, so I just needed to say that because <laughs> I think it's smart. Um, but, yeah, this song basically uh, – I've never really, like, talked about it. Basically, it's just girl in a relationship – out of a relationship that was sad that it ended, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, you're with somebody for so long, and when you get out, you constantly start thinking of, like, all the good things because you're sad. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, this is so good, da da da, da. Um, Until something happens that you see on social media or something happens that uh, you hear from a friend or da 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 da, da. Um, And that's where it's like, I don't want to call back anymore. Like, I'm still really sad and I'm hurt, but I saw some things that you're doing that I definitely don't need to be a part of. And mm. that is confusing why I would ever want to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, and then the whole think about your last words to me through a, through a screen um, was because the relationship ended over text message. Oh. And then it happens. <laughs> That's the worst. Um, it does happen. Right. That is, it's it terrible, happens. but it happens. Forgive and you love. Forgive and you love. And then the whole thing was like, can barely say that out loud was two meanings. Like, you could barely say it out loud, and then I can barely even say that you did that out loud. Yeah. Um, and then the pre is, thank you for the time. Do you show me what I don't like? It's kind of mean, <laughs> but you know, happens. Hey. Heard you're doing great. Tell me what the clubs are like. Uh, basically just getting into things that that person was never into. And then once the relationship was over, it was like, oh, I'm trying to better myself. And it's like, how are you getting better there? Um, and then saw you deleted all the memories, but that doesn't erase what you did to me. Uh, basically just like deleting everything on socials like a day after, um, which is fine. That's, that's their choice. That's and then I'll be. That's some heartbreak. I know. I was like, dang, that's <laughs> fast. Like two years and one day is wild. Love you too. It's great. Um, and then it was uh, at the end is I'll be fine, but don't act like you mind. Because after like the text got broken up, then like a couple months later was like, hey, you know, this little things that would happen. Mm -hmm. and, um, it's like, I'm going to be okay, but don't act like my life really matters to you that much. And that's okay. It's just let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and then the the hook is, I'll sing it. How do I forget the face I love? 
Tell me how we get so out of touch. I'll miss the old way we love. Really thought I knew how stupid I'm in. I think this is actually my favorite line I've ever written. Is like, how do I forget the face I love? Yeah. Because it's so powerful. Because yeah. um, I think like even when you get out of a relationship, like that person later should there should be reconciliation because I believe in that. Um, but it's like, how do you forget the face that someone that you see every day and that you love them genuinely, whether that's in a romantic way or just like a friendship way or mm -hmm. a godly way? It's like, how do you forget the face? Um, I just really love that line, genuinely. That is it. Like, you go, Reagan. <laughs> you go, girl. Uh, yeah. And then uh, just like basically the whole soundtrack of this, I, I consider it like part one and part two. Mm -hmm. And it's just like I'm up. It's basically all the feelings like I'm sad, but I'm angry, right? Because anger comes from something. Mm -hmm. um, and then it kind of goes into this hook. It like the music falls of this. Like I'm really sad and I'm angry. But then it's like, how do I forget? You know, how do I how do I move on? Tell me how we get where we started and how we're here. Um, I miss everything in the way that we loved and not and not in a romantic way, just like loved in a friendship way. Yeah. And then really thought I knew how stupid I've been pretty self-explanatory. But yeah, that's that one. Wow. That did get deep. And it just, it also just made me think about how because of technology and social media that even though a relationship may be over, like between the two of two people or between two people, um, it's kind of may not still be over because you still have, like, if you really want to get clear your mind with someone, you literally, like you said, you have to delete everything on social media, all of your text messages, and you might even have to block someone if they want to keep right. <laughs> trying to hit you up. Right. It just, it makes it so much harder to just do a clean break. And then if you have like years of history on social media, because I've been in that situation to where you can't, you maybe didn't get all of the pictures deleted off there, but then Facebook wants to remind you two years ago on this day. Two years ago. <laughs> oh, that should be illegal. That should be illegal. Why are, what's exactly. Facebook doing? <laughs> it's like, I, I hate so the funny. memories. Every time I get a memory, I'm like holding my breath. Is it like, is it a memory right. I want to see? <laughs> Am I going to be happy or sad with this memory? Exactly. Like, come on. <laughs> That's such a thing. I always laugh about that. Or it's like Facebook will be like, hey, this person just posted. And you guys haven't interacted in a while. And it's like, there's a reason. There's exactly. a reason why we haven't yeah. interacted. <laughs> there's, there's a reason, Facebook. Thanks. Thanks for throwing them so back funny. in Putting them back in my feed. Love like, you. Love you. <laughs> but yeah, all, all good. I mean, it's a song. Thankfully, a good song came out of it. And you dropped a gem about posting it once you are clear and emotionally labor True. ready. Yeah, because even if I talked about this and I was still sad, like, how would that be helpful <laughs> for anybody? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, just think smart so you don't be sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Milk. Oh, Milk. Love this song. Okay. Okay. Uh, what? 
Absolutely. We're the closest you can be, and I never felt so far. This the love I wanna be in, but why it gotta be so high? Wish you could love me the way that I need, but I keep giving you patience. You're worth it to me. You keep saying we're so different. I get that I know, but I learn to make time for the things that I love. What do I do next? My life is such a mess. What do I do next? Somebody please tell me you can relate with me. I just did all of it. Yes. <laughs> okay, so um, first, we're the closest you can be, and I've never felt so far, basically just saying, I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory, but if you don't yeah. get it, it's just being really close in a relationship, friendship, or romantically, um, but feeling farther than if you been a stranger, basically. Um, this is the love I want to be in, but why it got to be so hard. Uh, basically, it's pretty self-explanatory still, but um, that's love, though. Love is hard. You gotta, that's yeah. just what it is. Um, so kind of just like saying like, dang, why does love have to be so hard? And then, wish you could love me the way that I need, but I'll keep giving you patience. You're worth it to me. Uh, definitely don't get into a relationship if somebody does not know how to love the way you need to be loved. Because mm -hmm. it's just such, it's, it's not good for either one of you. Um, not a blow or shout out to anybody. Like, that's just genuinely be with somebody that knows how to love you well and the way that you need to be loved. And then, uh, I'll keep giving you patience. You're worth it to me. Because, true. And they keep saying we're so different. I get it, I know. But I learned to make time for the things that I love. Uh, but you keep saying we're different. I get it, I know. Basically came from cultural backgrounds. And then came from uh, growing up backgrounds. Yeah. And so I'm going to need someone that understands my background. And bear with me and help me understand things. Uh, I've grown so much. And I grew so much from that relationship. I'm so thankful for him and genuinely just like what it taught me. Um, but they have to understand like, I'm slow, like in a lot of ways, yeah. I'm still learning a lot of things. Yeah. And I'm thankfully where I want to be at now and still striving for more. Mm -hmm. um, but that was saying a lot about not even it just like our interests, our backgrounds, our cultural differences. And I think it doesn't matter if you're different, if you want it to work out, I will. And so that's why I say but And when you refer to cultural backgrounds, what are you specifically referring to? Mainly just like, uh, so like family upbringings, mm -hmm. um, race, mm -hmm. and just different things like that. So it's like, um, if I'm in a relationship with someone that is a different race than I am, mm -hmm. obviously one, that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful because two races are coming together um, and sharing cultural differences and coming yeah. as one. But if that other person's not on the same same side of that in the sense of, well, I need you to be who my race is. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm not mad, but at the same time, like, we have to, like, understand one another, I think. Yeah. Like, I want to take everything from you as well, but at the same time, like, I 
can't be that because I am this. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it sucks. And you never will be. I think it's it's more of the willingness right. to understand, to want yes. to understand that other culture. Yes. And on both so ends, it goes, it's vice versa. Like no one's ever, you you can't switch cultures. <laughs> You're not going to just switch up right. like that. But right. you can try to understand right. and accept the differences and learn how to yes. live with those differences. Right. And that's why I say, but I learn to make time for the things that I love because I want to understand everything and I want to, mm-hmm. but I understanding wasn't enough. It was, you know, there needed to be more and I just, yeah. it's because it just didn't work out and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of like what I was kind of referring to in that line. And then the hook is, is what do I do next? My life is such a mess. What do I do next? Somebody please tell me you can relate with me. And I, I wanted to make this as like broad as possible because life is hard and it's messy and relationships are even messier um, because people are sinful and we make mistakes and we're not perfect. And so uh, even with the whole track backing it is like this fun, upbeat thing um, because it's supposed to, it was was kind of like my the relationship that I wrote this from was I was fine. I told everybody I was good. Like we live in our best life. Um, but behind the scenes, it's I'm crying for help. Like I don't know how to make sure this works. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, someone who's like extremely extroverted, not, you know, just little things like that differences. And, um, that's why I wanted it to be like, kind of like happy and like people are dancing because that's kind of how I feel like a lot of people live their life. Got it. And we need to just be honest, like, bro, like if you're struggling, just say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then why I named the song milk, if you don't know, is basically because I thought it was funny. I'm lactose intolerant, like terribly. Oh. I drink I drink milk every day, like glasses of it. And I'm in so much pain. And it was kind of the same, like it's it, it and also it's really funny if you go through every lyric and you think yeah. like you 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 uh read it like I'm talking about milk and it's hilarious. Okay. Um you should do it. It's really funny. Like I'm literally like singing to like a carton of milk. Um but it's 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 a metaphor, I guess, basically, like I keep going back to something that isn't good for me um, when it's I love it, but it's not good for me. No, definitely didn't know the reason behind milk. I was going to ask you that. And I'm I'm loving that. Um, (laughs) And just give it a few more years, you're going to hit a point in your life where you're not going to be able to do the milk thing anymore. (laughs) It'd be like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I keep saying, and I'm sad. It is sad. That's but that's where I'm at. I I don't even know when's the last time I've had like a a glass of milk. I do. I'm doing whole thirty right now, and I'm sad already. Like I'm so sad. My only slip up. My weakness is ice cream. Like oh, absolutely. Real ice cream (laughs) with dairy. Yeah, not. (laughs) <laughs> not this vegan ice cream, which is yes. great, but it's not a substitute. It's, it's just another not, thing. It's not exactly. So I do struggle there. Like yeah. every once in a while, I I got to do it and I will suffer that pain. And I'm like, it's so good. But <laughs> I, I did have one moment this summer where I was just like buckled over and I was just like, no, I can't do ice cream anymore. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> I'm so sad for that day. Like I'm sad. Yeah. I've heard so people take like, like lactose pills. So I'm like, some people, I'm yeah, I guess, I mean, if it's, if you really trying to be about that life, like you, right, right. If you're trying to die, like, you know, just stick a pill. It's fine. <laughs> but enjoy it. You're, you're still young enough to enjoy your milk. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. I will. Um, I'm miserable. Let's do rent five. Okay. 
It's been a minute and I don't have these lyrics anywhere, so just bear with me. Go I think ahead. Well, she'll put us out your problems, but you're too thoughtless. Just being honest with you, but she'll put up, put up that twice before you came and walked up into my life. So I think that's the hook. Um, so like I said earlier, my whole EP um, is actually about the perspective of foster care. Mm. And so that's why the EP is called This Isn't About You. Because okay. I had just got out of a relationship, so everybody was like, oh, she bought a drop me pee, like, dissing, da 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 da, da. And that's literally why I said, like, this isn't about you. Like, this isn't about my ex. Okay. This isn't about you. It's literally about others. And that was, like, the whole point. Go ahead. Um, How did you start working with foster care? Like, yeah, I, I started volunteering um, with at-risk youth, uh, uh, Prison, um, not prison, but like in juvie. What's the word? I just yes. Oh my gosh, I can't want to say. I can't want to say JV. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so I worked there. I had two hundred kids at a juvenile detention, um, and I also helped with uh, refugees. And then I was trying to like find my main focus, and I was working with kids in foster care. So I was trying to find my main focus of where I wanted to like hone in because I mm-hmm. couldn't obviously do that every single week. And I kind of realized the more I talked to the kids at the juvie, they had come from foster care, group homes, on the streets, how to steal a car, how to steal food tickets for their sibling, and then at-risk youth are like basically in the verge of being in the foster care system. So I uh, started volunteering there with local outreach at Grand Canyon University. They have an incredible local outreach program. It's like literally the greatest thing ever and, and also brought a lot of perspective to my life. Okay. And I worked with OCJ, which is a nonprofit out in Arizona, um, and worked with group homes. So I was in charge of nine group homes. I ran a team, and we had like 70 volunteers that would go in uh, Monday through Saturday and talk with the kids, love on them, work with them, and uh, just kind of just literally spend two hours with them and ask them like how's your day helping with their homework because they're not getting like any attention at all whatsoever mm-hmm. and so this is like my biggest goal like my my biggest dream is to go off with music and then have that money to support and fund uh, okay. my own nonprofit towards foster care um, basically teens and then kids that have aged out because they're the okay. ones that like immediately are forgotten forgotten and on top of that are immediately considered juvenile like oh you are in foster care because you did something wrong mm-hmm. because you're 13 and so they automatically think like oh you're just a troubled kid when in reality they've been in this forever or their parents something happened with their parents sadly um and so the more i got to talk with them the more i realized this story is so important and so powerful and me coming from a two-parent household mm-hmm. i can never imagine not having just one parent and especially none and not even a grand grandparent or anything like that. Um, or, or being with my, not, not being with my siblings. So this story really like latched onto me big time and it gave me so much inspiration to write music. And I dropped this EP knowing that it wasn't going to probably pop off as my other songs because they weren't as poppy. Mm -hmm. Um, but my goal with this as well is I drop it now. So when I have a bigger platform later, I'm gonna bring it back out and express yeah. to people like how important this story really is and how much forgotten these kids really are. And I, 
feel as though the small platform that I do have and the privilege that I am given, I'm going to talk about it with when they don't have any. So that was kind of like every story, every song on the EP is a story. And the titles of the song have a number in it. Mm-hmm. So Rent 5 um, is basically just rents. And that stands for uh, foster parents. And the five represents how they're treated like another number in the system. So all the numbers are just, they are important. Yeah. It's a, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of meaning to this EP to me, for me. Yeah. And for the people that I wrote it about. So, um, yeah. So the first or the hook is, I have to say this too. I'm kind of all over the map. I'm so sorry. No, it's all good. this EP was meant to, and every song, so Rent 5, was meant for people to be able to relate to it. And that if they wanted to hear it in further detail, um, they already had that feeling of I understand. And that would cross over to understanding someone that comes from foster care. Mm. So it's a different feeling. But pain, everyone's experienced pain. Some just might be, there's different, right? So this story is, um, you could talk about it as a relationship, like, oh, I wish you would have solved your problems to your boyfriend or girlfriend or your friend or your parent or your foster parent. So this is specifically towards bad foster parents that do it just for the money. Mm. Um, And so it was, wish you would have solved your problems, but you're too thoughtless, just being honest. Wish you would have thought twice before you came and walked into my life. And that's like this anger of a teenager telling someone, I wish you would have figured out your life before you came into mine. Do you even realize like what I've gone through already? Like I don't need another burden in my life and another person I have to obey rules to when you genuinely don't care for me as a human being. Wow. Um, and then uh, the verse, did I sing that? Do you want me to? Or do you want me to say it? You can do that. You can sing the next verse. It don't matter. <laughs> okay. So it's so humorous, humorous you. Mess with all it is, all it is to you. Feel better, what you got out of it, or just whatever. Cause I still can't understand how you do me like that. Hard to comprehend. You straight on what you did. It's been way too loud. I said way too loud. <laughs> but basically, uh, that's them talking to it's like it's humorous that this is supposed to be like a good deed yeah. and you're supposed to be helping people but it's still selfish yeah um and that you mess with this you got into involved with all of this and then it's like do you genuinely feel better like is this making you happier that you get a post it on social media that you're a good foster parent but you're really just doing it for the money um and then it's just like this internal process like i still can't understand how you did me like that can't comprehend it you're straight and like you're cool knowing what you're doing yeah um and then the chorus is it's been way too loud in my mind since you can't get off the ground still can't seem to come through thoughts lost in our so i'll start there um loud in the sense of i was talking about a, a personal story that of a friend that i know that is very personal to me and just something that went through from their foster parent that um, they did a lot of damage in their life and so like this loudness like they can't escape it and they can't, and they feel like they're just floating and they can't continue with their life because of what this person did to them yeah. um, in their life. And thoughts lost in our past is, you know, going back to they can't move on, um, wanting it to pass. And 
it says all because of you, all because of you, I question everything that I do. Um, and that also just goes down to trust. Like, who do I trust again? Like, I can't even trust anybody and I question everything that I, my steps, every step that I take because of what this person put into my life. Um, and another, again, another reason I wrote I, and even though I didn't experience it personally, uh, people will listen to it more if they think it's about something else that's not as sad um, or as like serious and they're like, oh, I can relate to this. And so that was like the main reason why I, I said it like that because if it sounds like a it's story and then I can talk about it further in person if somebody really genuinely wants to hear more about it. Um, and it was awesome when I dropped all this, like so many kids that I know that were in the foster care system and people I didn't know mm-hmm. that had followed me and were fans. Like I met up with them and they were like, I aged out. And I was like, I didn't even know that. Like, I didn't even know that you were in the system. And so many great, great stories like came from it. Um, and, and stuff. that's amazing. Um, I mean, and it's also, it's cool how it's like a double to like a double read or double perspective. Cause yeah. It does sound like you're talking about relationships, mm-hmm. um, but when you do the breakdown and you're reciting the words, like it totally makes sense that it can be said to a foster parent as well. Right. Um, it's just yeah. cool. You could do like both. Double meaning. Um, and just like the that cause is good. Um, it's a great cause and not too many people point attention to it. Um yeah. Awesome. I, I had no idea that that was like the concept behind the EP. So. <laughs> so musically, how does God's presence look like in your life? Musically, how does God's presence? I think mainly this voice that he's given to me is a gift and I want to use it for him in, in whatever way that I possibly can. So if that's leading worship on Sundays, awesome. If that's singing at a refugee camp, awesome. If that's putting stuff on Spotify about a relationship, awesome. Because I'm, I believe that I'm glorifying God in all of that. Yeah. And musically, this is my biggest passion. Like I said, like telling other people's stories and other people's perspectives that don't have the platform to do so. And so musically, I get to I get to share what Jesus has called us to do as Christians. And and I'm reading James right now. And literally at like the end of James, it says, I mean, it constantly in the Bible of yeah. love the orphan, care for the widow. Mm-hmm. As Christians, you are a fool not to do so. That is what we're called to do. Um, and, and to any extent, like love the broken, care for the needy and um, the less vulnerable, like or the more vulnerable, like that is so important. And so musically, I want to get that message across so we can have conversations like this, so we can grow and have Jesus ultimately be shown. And I feel so connected with Jesus through music. I know a lot of people do. It's mm-hmm. it's such a form of worship that we are so privileged to have, so privileged to have. Um, and being able to connect with him in that way is is such a beautiful thing in my life. Definitely. And I mean, it's also the way that you're talking about connecting to Jesus through music and just how powerful of a tool it is to have that perspective growing up where you were taught literally that what rhythm was the devil's heartbeat. 
Like, right. Yeah. And just, I'm like, wow, this is, I feel close to God in yeah. this heart, devil's heartbeat, whatever. Yeah. That's, gosh, God is just amazing. And just to see how he's working and has worked and is working in your life. Yes. Amen. Like, to me, like, this is why I love talking to people about God. Cause it's like, whenever people are like, how do you know God is real? Well, I just had a conversation with him <laughs> and God's real. <laughs> right. It, it's crazy. I always say like, it's crazy that we're still in the church. It's crazy that I still follow Jesus with what the corruption that I was surrounded with as a kid. But then I also say, it's really not that crazy. Cause when you know Jesus, there's no better thing, literally nothing. Right. So, right. but yeah, you're right. That's it. It's, people's stories are beautiful. Yeah. All right. So my last question now that you've gone through this interview process with me, who would you like to see me interview on the podcast? Ooh. I have a friend. His name is Sam Apoku. He spilled that last name for yeah, me. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so O P U K U. I think that's right. Okay. I'm the worst at spelling. <laughs> um, I he's an incredible artist. He's from Ghana. And he and his family got like, well, I'm not going to tell his story. You need, you need to interview him. He's awesome. He's an incredible musician, um, loves Jesus. And his testimony is something that you, you will realize God is real after you hear his testimony. Hey, what's up? Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for watching the show. However you consume us, thank you. Please subscribe to the show. And if you really enjoy the content, please leave a review. It really does help with the ranking of the show. And if you want to go an extra mile, share the show, share this episode. And for all things testimony, visit testimonystories.com. Until next time, I'm Gilika Brown, the music lover constantly seeking positive music.